Hi there, and welcome to Dork Wars, the podcast, your galactic hub for all things Star Wars. My name's Blake, and I'm here with the best hosts in the galaxy. First up, we have the ever-elusive, but has been present most of the time lately, so maybe we need a new nickname for him, Grant. Howdy. And the funny one, Wesley. What's up, dorks? The commentator, Andrew. Uh, howdy. And our very own Jedi Archive, Dietrich. Oh, hello there. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> now that our intro section has become a poor parody of a Mickey Mouse cartoon or whatever the heck that was, um, let's let's get started on the uh, on the episode. Uh, there's a lot to talk about, guys. This is. Gosh, I'm I'm tired. Like I'm tired just from the stress of watching this episode twice, trying to make sure that I have everything together. Like it's it's been crazy. There's a lot. But before we get into all that, we have some news for you. Now hear this. Now hear this. Now hear this. Now you hear this, whoever you are. So for Star Wars news. We have some Lego news, actually. There have been three releases uh, recently, and Andrew might have more uh, more accurate release date information because he came to me with this news. The Dark Trooper helmet, the Mandalorian helmet, and Luke's pilot helmet have been released as Lego sculpture pieces. Um, you have the Darth Vader Lego sculpture head thing. That's been out for a long time. Um... I believe there's there's another one. I think Boba Fett's been out for a while too. So that same kind of vein. They usually run for like seventy bucks though, so pretty expensive for those <laughs> little Lego sculptures. Yeah, yeah, that's actually kind of true. <laughs> how dare you call them little? Blake, have you not seen it? You could fit it on your head, and we all know how big your head is. How big is it? A new section coming to you soon on Dorpus Podcast. <laughs> Actually, Grant, I, I really didn't know uh, that they were that big. The box yeah, th- isn't that big. I, I haven't seen one in real life. I've seen the pictures of them. I don't think I've actually seen one. I think, I don't know, does Target like have them? In yeah. The, the little display cases? But they're yeah, not that yeah. big at Target. Is that like a size down model? I, I, I'm not sure. I was just kind of messing around. I think they're bigger than I, than you're remembering them. But uh, I walked past them in Target the other day, and they seem to be pretty, pretty decently sized. Like uh, maybe a small child could actually fit his head into, and probably hurt himself on Lego bricks. Well, Grant, maybe you have little eyeballs, and you can't see things their true size. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to make fun of you because you hurt my feelings a few moments ago. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh, he's got little eyeballs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> little eyeballs and big heads. You know who doesn't have little eyeballs? Cad Bane. Anyway. Andrew, do you do you know anything about the release date on these things? Are they already out? Are they coming out? Uh, what, what's up with them? Uh, I'm pretty sure they came out yesterday or today. I don't know the exact release date, but I just heard about it today. All right, so go to an online shop or a retailer near you that sells Legos, and you will probably spot these bad boys. Pick them up, build them, do whatever you want with them. Be pretty cool if you're a small child. Put your head in it, apparently. Moving on now, Obi-Wan is a huge topic right now there seems to be all sorts of media revolving around this character marvel has announced that there is a new obi-wan comic coming out presumably in may and it's going to start out with youngling obi-wan we're going to get some like baby obi-wan in our lives uh 
I think it'd be pretty cool. Good character study of our boy Obi-Wan. I was always a fan of that book series back in the day that's now non-canon. Yeah, his his adventures with Qui-Gon Jinn was great to read about. And even before. I'm about to say, uh, the comic series apparently is supposed to be spanning his entire lifespan in five issues. So, start off as Youngling, probably get to pad one with Qui-Gon, probably mastering Anakin, his exile, and then probably in his old age right before we see him in A New Hope. So... Well, do you have to do that much on his exile? We're about to get a whole six-part series on that. Maybe maybe they'll focus more on his before um, his exile. Maybe some Anakin training before Phantom Menace. I think that would be pretty cool. So the trailer because- for Obi-Wan really implies they're going to go off of Tatooine. Yeah. Well, st- well, yeah, I guess so. But it's I guess he's still in exile. But you're not really in exile for traveling. So, Well, he has training to do. It's a loose exile. Yeah. I mean, we don't know where it's going to go, and uh, we don't know what the Kenobi series is going to be doing either. Uh, The comic series could lead right into the Kenobi series, for all we know. Well, I will say that Obi-Wan Kenobi had a rich background in the uh, extended universe. I know that Dave Filoni, Jon Favreau, the whole Disney team is now taking a lot of Legends stuff and bringing it it into canon, which is great. Obi-Wan really struggled before he became a Padawan to uh, Qui-Gon Jinn. Nobody wanted him. He was apparently filled with rage here and there. Like, his emotions were out of whack. And it it was a really cool story to read. And then Qui-Gon had a uh, student before Obi-Wan. And he actually takes him on. Obi-Wan was (laughs) Qui-Gon's second uh, apprentice in, in that continuity. It was pretty cool to see him take another apprentice on. Even though he kind of didn't want to, him and Obi-Wan just clicked so well. I really want to see that story. Well, in the same book series you're talking about, it's crazy how similar to Anakin a young Obi-Wan seems before he gets taken up by Qui-Gon. He seems to have the same kind of like subtle anger issues. He's lanky, but he's also kind of skilled for his age. He's like an awkward teenager, and that's kind of how we see Anakin in um, Attack of the Clones, right? Yeah, and... Anakin really is a quirky teenager in Attack of the Clones, and I think it really shows how much Anakin could have benefited if Qui-Gon Jinn would have survived Phantom Menace. The The battle in Phantom Menace really was the duel of fates. Had Qui-Gon survived, and I know Andrew believes in this firmly, things may have sh- shook out differently. How do you know that Qui-Gon would not have joined Count Dooku, though? And Qui-Gon, that's interesting. I really want to know if he would have joined Count Dooku. I don't think he would have fully because he would realize that's embracing the dark side. And I don't think Qui-Gon would embrace the dark side. Do you think Dooku would have even let on that he was a Sith, though? I think he would have just used that, I was your old master. We have that connection. I'm trying to reform the Republic. I need your help. I think Qui-Gon would have seen some appeal to some of his arguments I think he might he might have stopped once he knew that Dooku was a Sith. I think he would have thought about it. Yeah, I, I can agree with I, that. I think he, he would also have would have figured it. out that he was Sith early too. I think Qui Gon was Qui Gon was really all about balance. So for him, I think he would have just seen what was best for the galaxy and tried to maintain balance, um, and and went with that because ultimately that's more along the lines of what he was truly about than what the Jedi were. I don't think I don't think Qui Gon being alive or dead was the deciding factor in Anakin's turn. 
That's all I'm trying to say. I think even if even if Qui Gon yeah. would have hung around, I don't know that it would have stopped the fates from doing what they do. Yeah, I mean that's true, but it's I don't know maybe it was definitely a huge deciding factor. And if it didn't happen, then there's a chance that he could have at least helped him. You know what I mean? He would have probably been better than Obi Wan because Obi Wan's all dogmatic. I don't know, man. I just think Liam Neeson will come in and kick butt and say, screw you, screw you Jedi, screw you, Empire. I, I rule myself. <laughs> I run by my own yeah. laws. I'm a man. <laughs> yeah, would Qui-Gon have survived Order 66? I think he would have. Continuing on with the Obi-Wan news, though, apparently a Disney Plus exec has uh, spilt some beans. And uh, we all know that beans cannot be put back in the can once they're out of the can. That's not exactly true. But in a figurative way, it kind of is. Because he tweeted that the Kenobi series will be releasing in May. Brandon San Giovanni, Disney Plus exec, tweeted this. And his his Twitter handle is at TheBrandalorian. Which, uh, Brandon, that is a really, really cool name. I wish my name was Brandon so I could be like the Brandalorian 2 or something. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, the tweet has been deleted. Um, it's gone. However, since the internet is the internet, nothing is ever really gone. <laughs> it's still <laughs> out there. You can see it on Reddit. You can see it on some news articles. He definitely tweeted this. This is definitely a real thing. I didn't even have to play like the rumor soundbite because it, it really happened. When I hear May 2022, I'm like, man, that's like next year, so far away. Then I'm like, wait, it's February. <laughs> that's less than four months. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Three getting months. here. And I, I really thought we were going to get like a trailer on May the 4th for Obi-Wan. And then it would release maybe a month or two later. Dude, Kenobi's going to release on May the 4th. I mean, that's, I mean, we got this comic series. We have Kenobi. I think it's, it's all coming out May. I think it's all going to come out on May the 4th. Big May 4th drop. It's going to be Kenobi May 4th. Well, you know Disney Plus drops all their shows on Wednesdays, and May the 4th just happens to be a Wednesday. Well, I mean, they drop something anyway. It didn't matter if it was Wednesday or not. You know they would drop something. Well, I mean, that's just when Disney Plus releases its episodes, because that's when they found the highest ratings. Bad Batch last year premiered on May the 4th, and it wasn't on a Wednesday. That was a Tuesday, right? Yeah, but every episode after that was also Wednesdays. They changed their release schedule. So. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a moot point. They they would they would change it up for May the 4th regardless. I know. I'm just saying May the 4th, <laughs> Wednesday, Disney Plus Wednesday. Why, why you got to go against the correlation? You know, it's all about speculation at this point, Blake. Why you got to ruin it, man? Because we have, Such we have evidence to the contrary. I think we're going to get to the point where every quarter we're going to get either a season two or a new show you know, or, you know, something. Because they got a lot coming yeah. out in the next few years. I mean... It's a yes, hectic schedule. We have a lot that's been pushed back and moved around and this, that, and the other, and it, it really seems like it has to come to a head, right? Like, this stuff has to release at some point. Ahsoka, I think Ahsoka's, like, the next big thing. Like, other than, like, the Bad Batch Season 2 or the Mandalorian Season 3, like, the next new thing is definitely Ahsoka, after Kenobi, that is. So, I, I, I fully expect that to release sometime this year, maybe around the... I don't know. I guess Kenobi will be the second quarter, maybe the third quarter. Because do we have a release date for Mandalorian season three? I don't. I don't think so. 
Uh, they're just filming that still currently. They just started filming recently, yeah. so it's going to be That'd a while. Be next year, probably. probably next year. So, Ahsoka, yeah. so we could we could probably count on Ahsoka in that normal Mandalorian spot at the end of the year, fourth quarter type deal, right? That's what I'm thinking anyway. Um, Mandalorian Season 3 began filming in October 2021. Ahsoka series started filming... Is supposed to start filming here in the first quarter of 2022, so it looks like it's going to be Mando season three, and then followed quickly by Ahsoka when that goes off. More than likely. Okay. All right. All right. I can see that. So maybe Ahsoka May the Fourth next year. So Dork Wars the podcast has a merchandise store. Merchandising. Merchandising. What's that? Merchandising. Come. I'll show you. Open up this door. So we have Dork Wars the t-shirt, we have Dork Wars the hoodie, Dork Wars the coffee cup, and yes, we even have Dork Wars the Beskar chainmail for all those trying to go to battle. That's not really true because Beskar is kind of hard to get a hold of, and we don't have any. <laughs> and even if we did, I would probably make armor for myself before I would sell it to you guys online. I'm just being <laughs> serious here. You've got to put some away for the foundlings. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. The armor has it all. <laughs> yeah, that armor, she does, man. Like, she she has a heavy tax <laughs> on Beskar. She really does. So, Dork Wars, the podcast, is part of a podcasting network. That is the Red 5 Network. Let's roll the promo. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. So tonight, we are talking about the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 6, From the Desert Comes a Stranger. So before we get into this, I want to issue a spoiler alert. Attention. Spoilers. If you have not seen the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 6, do not listen any further. Go watch that episode, and then come back and listen to us. But if you don't really care, just listen to us, I guess. The Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 6. Guys, um, Andrew made like a really good suggestion yesterday on our text thread. And he was talking about implementing it like next time we have a show to do. And I said, no, we're not doing that. We're going to implement it now, because it's a great idea. And this is just the episode to do that on, I think. So we're going to give our ratings, no explanation right now for this episode. And then at the end of the episode, we are going to give our ratings again, but updated based on the information that we gained from one another. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> so first, Grant, I'm going to come to you. One out of 10, what do you think of the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 6? 10 out of 10. <laughs> oh, right bam, bam, bam. <laughs> All right, Wesley, out of 10, what do you think of the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 6? Go eight and a half. Andrew, your rating for the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 6? I'm going to give it a eight. Diedrich, your rating for Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 6? It would be a 10, but there's one little gripe, so a 9.5. Mm. 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 Got a gripe? I'm about to say, his gripe is that I said 10 first. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I be first? 
I'm sorry, guys. I've been introducing you guys the same way for a year now, so I I think sorry. <laughs> um, so my rating, I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten, hands down, nine out of ten. And I'm not changing. I say that, but I'll probably change. So we started this episode out like fire. It's straight fire right off the bat. We see a group of pikes around a speeder, and they got the little snow cone machine from uh, Empire Strikes Back that we see the guy carrying, you know. And, and I really like how they've brought that into, like, Disney canon, and it's, it's a thing, right? It's, it's a little suitcase thing. It's got something good in it. And apparently it's got some money in it, and somebody's got some spice. And they're, they're wheeling and dealing there right in the uh, Moss Pelgo. Right there in the Moss... Freetown. Right there in the Moss Pelgo uh, area. And we don't know it's Freetown yet, okay? We, we hadn't got that far. But yes, it's Freetown. And who, who pops up but Cobb Vanth? Cobb freaking Vanth. First 10 seconds of this show, and we're already getting Cobb Vanth the Marshal. Love this guy. Yeah, I gotta say this dude. He does a really good job. This is uh, his name is actually Timothy Oliphant, and he's in so many things and everything he's ever been in. Whether it's been bad or good, he's been awesome. You know what I mean? He feels more badass in this episode than any of his previous ones. I'll say that. That's because he doesn't have the armor anymore. He's just uh, you know, the gunslinger that can shoot three pikes in uh, about point two seconds and then leave the last one there standing. Well, and the reason we see this scene, and this is, I firmly believe this, is to set up something later on in the episode. But yeah, I agree with you, Diedrich. Cobb Vanth, on his own, in his own right, is a great gunslinger. So that, yes. that's what the scene sets up. He, yep. is, he is an excellent gunslinger. Um, definitely more than exceptional. And I agree with you, Diedrich. He seems, man, like just as bad to the bone good, the bad, and the ugly type Western character, right? And, and we got that Westerness, uh, that Western-y kind of character back in The Mandalorian. It was pretty cool. But here he seems just awesome. Like, he's just, he is the man. He's like that Wyatt Earp gunslinging guy. One thing we'll see in later scenes is that he has a great control. Like, he knows exactly when to pull, exactly when to shoot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he really does. does. And he takes out the three pikes and tells the one pike, look, tell the pike syndicate that they shouldn't run spice through here. I won't mess with you guys if you don't mess with us. And he sends him on his way. And this is the part where we find out that Cobb Vanth cannot be corrupted. There's enough spice in that box to presumably, um, let him retire if he wanted to. He could do whatever he wanted to based on the amount of spice in that little box. He tips it over into the Sands of Tatooine and just lets it go. And it, it just really shows that Cobb Vanth is a straight shooter. Okay, pun, but, pun intended. But who would he sell it to? Who could he really get? Man, he could find somebody. I mean... I'm sure you could find somebody yeah. to sell it to. Like, I yeah. don't think that's the this problem. Is, this is I Tatooine. Think, yeah. This is, the, this is the idea that I'm getting. This is kind of the theme that I'm getting and why a lot of this is another reason for this scene is to show that on Tatooine, there's a problem where it's being taken over by the huts or by other cartels, the pikes, whatever. Yeah, they call and them the syndicate. The, the syndicate, yeah. So people are trying to basically do whatever they can to stop it. 
Well, and that's and that's exactly what he says in the scene, Andrew. You're exactly right. He tells them that Tatooine has seen enough violence. We don't need anything anything of this sort anymore. Like we're done with this. Um, Tatooine is closed for business. Is the, his exact quote. He tells them, "Tell tell the syndicate that Tatooine's closed for business." Well, he he's it's not Tatooine. It's, it's his little moss. No, he Pelga? says Tatooine. He says Tatooine. Does- he says Tatooine really? okay. is closed for business. Yes, sir. So that's just a little town. It's just like a little western town, you know what I mean? I was going to say, how does Most... he have control over the whole planet, though? He doesn't. It's just that little town. Well, because he, he's like, I don't care what they do in Mos Espa because we know anything goes over there, and I don't care what your agreement is with Mos Espa, but over here, I make the rules. Yeah, well, so I'm pretty sure it's probably like a territory, you know what I mean? With like a city in the middle. That would be my guess, based on what we saw in the episode. Yeah, I mean, it's just a little western town out in the middle of uh, out in the middle of nowhere. If you want to see where Moss Pelgo lies, there is a map on our Twitter page that we were tagged in from our good friend at Rural Farm Boy, uh, because I was talking about a map of Tatooine a couple of weeks ago, and he was so nice and posted that for us. So, at Rural Farm Boy, shout out to you for, for doing that. Thank you. Well, that simple fact is why I'm surprised he claims dominance over Tatooine, right? Right, and I, I can agree with you. I, I, I don't know how he has a uh, broad scope of what Tatooine wants. But it was a cool line, right? It was a really cool line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're just, he just they're trying to take over his planet. You know what I mean? It'd be like if some random people came to our planet and started running spice through our planet. He hasn't seemed to care about the huts. He hasn't seemed to care about the other gangs that we see in Mos Espa. But he wasn't in a position to do that. So Cobb Vanth was a slave. This is canon. Cobb Vanth was a slave. He was raised on Tatooine. And he kind of fell into this role of being the marshal. He wanted to make a change. He wanted to make life better for other people. And we, we can see that from his actions, becoming the the marshal, basically the mayor of Freetown, like he's basically in charge and he's doing it all to help other people. So I really think that he has Tatooine's interests at heart. And when the huts were ruling things, he just, he just couldn't do anything about it. Now the pikes are here, you know, the hut, everything's kind of like, it's a free for all right now on Tatooine. Like there's all these different factions coming out of the woodwork, trying to take control and he feels like that he has enough stake in the planet's interest that he can speak for Tatooine. And he's a native, which I can't say for most of the people in this series so far. I gotta be honest, I think he's looking way too into it. I don't think, I think he's just like, it's just like a general, this is, this is our planet, you know? We're natives, you're not, that kind of thing. And, and that could be true. Yep, I think it just kind of points to the plot of what happens later on when he's just standing up to someone else. So, moving on now, the Mandalorian goes to whatever planet Luke is currently on training Grogu. Uh, we don't really know what planet Agent Kloss. Do what? Ajan Kloss. The planet's Agent Kloss. Do we know that? Yeah. Is that, is that canon? C- that's the... We see in the scene where the droids are building the temple, it's the same temple that we see in the flashback in uh, Dietrich's favorite movie. I'm surprised yeah, you don't know that, Dietrich. No, but that's not yeah. Ajon Klaas, though. Ajon Klaas is from uh, Rise of Skywalker. I'm... Mm, let me double-check that, but I thought it was... That's where his uh, temple so, was set. I don't up think at. his it, temple was ever named, like, the planet it was on. I don't believe I don't think it was ever named, named either. I, no, I don't think it's Ajon Klaas. It might be. They, they are both foresty planets, but... 
the resistance set up a a camp on Ajon Kloss. I don't know if that's the same site or the same planet as the Jedi Temple, though. Hmm, I could be wrong there, but I thought I read somewhere it was that. Well, well maybe you should actually, read less. No, I'm just kidding. There you go, Andrew. <laughs> Sorry. Since, well, no, it's okay. I don't know. Well, since we're on the topic, I actually was wondering, is this the same temple that he trains Kylo Ren in? Yeah, it looks like I it. would assume so. I mean, Ahsoka says later... Well, spoiler alert. Ahsoka's coming. Ahsoka says later in the episode that this is the place where a bunch of Jedi will be trained, so much learning will go on here, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I believe yeah. it's the same place. Yeah. But it's nice to see it before it burns to the ground. It's a nice foresty place. There's a lot of bamboo. It's really... Um, and the, aw- the awesome droids. And awesome droids. Yeah, the little ant droids. Those things were pretty neat. So we get this great scene. We see the ants uh, working, the ant droids. Um, I-, I think we should call them ant ants. I think that'd be a great name for them. Ant ants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This is a great episode. It's a great episode that tries to tie in a lot of things from the OT, the sequels, and the prequels. So I think when you look at the whole episode, it really tries to tie everything together. No, it's a great point, Diedrich. I, I like the fact that we have the sequel trilogy, Luke's uh, Academy, where it's at. We have the now. We have the present. He's training Grogu. We have the past. We have Ahsoka there. We have all that history. It we really, have that epic scene. Where we have we that ep- Grogu's background. Well, I won't get into it yet, but we have that that prequel reference. Yeah, we do. And just getting to that, um, basically the Mando, he meets R two when he gets there, and he's waiting on this little bench Hello, that little Aunt Ants made him. Droid. <laughs> That's what he calls him. He's like, droid? Yeah, he calls him droid, but Mando (laughs) doesn't know what this unit, this R2 unit is. He does not know the respect that he has um, claimed. Mando doesn't know he's in the Star Wars universe. (laughs) Yeah, Mando has no idea. Mando never saw the prequels. He's never seen episodes one through three, I promise. He's probably not (laughs) even seen the OT. Um, But aside from that, yeah, so, so Mando is. Oh, sorry. No, 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 sorry. Yeah, so when when they show up, and as soon as they walk up to the Jedi Temple, and uh, you see like the rocks gravitating up, and you're like, oh man, this is like you know, Baby Yoda is is lifting rocks now, but it's an ant ant. It's just an ant ant. <laughs> yeah, but that was a good throwback a... to. Uh, uh, to me, I thought of a Dagobah when uh, Luke was training, but. There's a oh, lot yeah. of Dagobah references in this episode. There's a lot of Dagobah references. A lot. And a lot of just Jedi training in general, especially from the OT era, because that's all Luke knows um, at this point. Actually, I do have some theories about that later as well. But Mandalorian, or excuse me, but Din Djarin is left to wait on this bench that the Ant Ants have made for him. He is resting, and we get to look into the lives of Luke and Grogu on this peaceful planet of who the heck knows what it is. Let's not get into Before it. Before we get into their little training thing, which you're about to do, I love the fact that R2 just shuts down. Like He's, he's so lazy now. Like We see in the, in the sequel trilogy, he just shuts down whenever, and he's just like, <laughs> That's beep true. boop, I'm going to bed. Yeah, and he, he didn't even wake it up. He didn't even listen to Din Djarin. He's like, whatever. I'm just, I, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping. So... He's like, I've done six movies worth of stuff for you guys. I'm like, I'm in, I'm basically retired. Like, we just chill. I'm gonna take a nap whenever I feel like it. I'm old. That is the question. Why don't they use him more? I don't understand. I mean, it doesn't have to be like a main character, but 
They do. I mean, he saved the galaxy how many times at this point? He's like, okay, you guys can't afford me anymore. You know, type of deal. I mean, yeah. he's just tired. Droids are OP. I also, I also thought that was also a sequels reference where he just sits there and doesn't do anything. Exactly. For the sequels. Yep. Yeah, I can agree. Uh, I like I like R two man. R two's always been snarky. I mean, in his own way. Um, and definitely here, like he's he just does what he wants. He's a free droid. It's like someone presented him clothes or something. So we get into the Luke and Grogu meditation scene, and this is beautiful. They have a beautiful backdrop. There's a nice big tree. There's a river or a lake in the background. And there is nature. There is one croaking frog hopping along and distracting our poor boy Grogu. And we can see that Grogu has grown since he has been with Luke. Grogu really tries not to mess with his frog. He's, he notices the frog. He kind of sits there and he meditates and he's chilling. Then we see the frog float up from the force. And is levitated towards Baby Yoda, and he is given in to his distraction. It's a beautiful scene, and not to mention this is the first time we've seen baby little baby Grogu um, since the end of Mandalorian season two. So, I, gosh, I I forget how much I love this little baby Yoda until he is on screen. Like the practical effect is great. The he's just beautiful. I love I love this little kid. I love the fact that. It's showing that he's still just a child. Oh yeah! Like at, at the end of the day, this is still like a baby. I'm mean, like an infant, you know, or maybe a toddler at this point, right? Because he can kind of walk and eventually. Yeah, he can he toddle. Little, like he can jump a little bit. Yeah. Was anyone surprised to see Luke this episode or no? Not so. No. Pri- the quality, yes. Yeah, the quality is a lot better. Yeah. I was surprised he had such a prominent role. Because the CGI and the the uh, de-aging that had to go on with Mark Hamill for that length of time in an episode, gosh, I mean, that had to be daunting work. But he looked great. He looked our YouTube great. guy. Yeah, our YouTube guy was on there. I got a gripe, dude. Yeah. Well, because I... So, visually, like, watch this without any sound. I think it, it looks amazing, just like you said. Mouth, but mouths are hard I don't think to do. I don't know how to say this. I don't... Well, I don't think he delivers his lines well at all. I think there are multiple lines that he says that just sound weird. They sound off to me compared to what I'm seeing. And I don't know what that was. I don't know if that was something that was just messed up or if it it was just me. I liked the voice work. And like Diedrich said a moment ago, the the mouths are hard. And I think the... That's like I think the last it, stage. The last thing they really need to get perfect is is like the laugh lines and then some of like the eye movements. Because there's like the, there's those dead hollow eyes in some scenes where you know that there's no life behind what you're seeing. Yeah, and you can still tell to yeah. a degree. I don't. I, if I See, didn't know, I, I, know. I, I probably wouldn't have noticed as much. But we all know what's going on. They've de-aged Mark Hamill. And I honestly think he looks a lot more like Sebastian Shaw in these shots than he did in Mandalorian Season 2. That, that's just me. Quick time out from the episode real quick. I just said Sebastian Shaw when I really meant to say Sebastian Stan. So Sebastian Stan is the actor who portrays the Winter Soldier in the MCU. Sebastian Shaw 
is the actor that portrayed Anakin Skywalker as a Force ghost in Return of the Jedi. When I say Sebastian Shaw this episode, which I will a few more times, I really mean Sebastian Stan. Thanks. Back to the episode. Mm. I think I think he's looking a lot like Sebastian Shaw. Oh no, I thought they did a good job with the way he looked. Because <laughs> it still looks like him, you know. They did. They did a great job. And, and but but like you said, I think some of the lines and his facial features they they yeah. didn't they didn't line up exactly. And it's I mean, good enough for me. Yeah, it was, it was good, it was enough, good enough. enough. It felt fine. Yeah, I felt. I agree. Yeah, I felt like the cadence was a little bit slow though. Like when yeah. he speak, like he was very speaking very slowly and very patient. Yeah, dealing with a baby, but yeah. even when he was talking to other people, um, it felt slow. All right, but that's a very Jedi way of speaking: slow, patient, methodical with your words. That's true. That's true. I mean, if you go back and watch um, Return of the Jedi, he starts speaking like that more than he had in the previous two films as well. No, I, I can agree with that as well. I think it's just a culmination of all these things. The, the, the new way that he presents himself as a Jedi Master, which he has apparently become, and the effects, it, it kind of all kind of melds together into this character. And I think they did a great job. I mean, I couldn't do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's great, but the only problem is Mark Hamill is only going to be alive for so long, and if we want more Luke Skywalker stuff, they're eventually going to have to... All right, he's only going to be willing to do this for so long before they have to replace him. So, if they're going to do a major series or something in the future, which I have a feeling with how much Luke we got in this episode they're leaning towards, I think they have to find another actor well, to take I over mean, that role. And that just goes to what I said. He's looking more like Sebastian Shaw. I mean, I don't know how to... Without saying, hey, I think Sebastian Shaw is going to play Luke Skywalker at some point. <laughs> I was trying to beat around a bush, but now I'm just going to say it out loud. That, that's what I think. I don't know. Each, each iteration of the CGI is just better and better and better. And I'm a little worried that now we're going to get to the point where people never really die. You know what I'm saying? And that's a, that's, and that's a little scary. <laughs> in, in a meta... In a meta sense, it's a little scary, but I love it as a Star Wars fan that we can literally get stories with original characters for forever from now on, basically. Grand Grand Moff Tarkin was completely CGI in Rogue One, and that was like one of their first characters that they did this to, and he looked really great for the time. Like the first time we ever saw that, he looked great, and now they've improved it even more. And, and I, I'm saying, like, look at the progression from, like, Leia and Tarkin, which was a little uncanny. You're like, ah, okay, fine, passable, but, like, I'm not happy with it. And right? they didn't have and a lot we, of scenes. They didn't have a lot of scenes, and yeah. it worked. And Tarkin was kind of in the darkness a lot of time anyway, right. so it was all right. And then you get to the Luke from Mandalorian into season two, and you're like, okay, he's got the hood up most of the time, but this is cool. Everybody's like, oh, great, Luke's back. Okay, little uncanny still. And then you get this, and you're like, oh, wow, we're, like, almost there. We're yeah. almost there. We are we are close. Give it a few more years, and you won't really even need an actor, and that's kind of scary. Well, I mean, I think you still need an actor to mouth the lines to be there, like at least in a mocap suit or something. I mean, I'm assuming that's what uh, Luke, or excuse me, Luke Mark Hamill wore when he was portraying Luke in this episode. I'm sure he had on some kind of suit, and they kind of worked. Someone it all else out. was actually doing all of that. For this episode, and they also did someone else did that for his Mandalorian uh, thing as well. So Mark Hamill did like the voice, and they did his face, but someone else was actually doing the acting and everything like that. 
we're gonna we're gonna get to the point real soon with technology where sh- sure you might need a person in a mocap suit, but it's not got to be the original actor. It's nah, man, got to be somebody who looks similar. That's right. Now, nah, even between uh, Mandalorian season two and this episode, they actually changed who did Luke's motion capture. Yeah, I heard about that. So they hired on somebody who supposedly, you know, quote unquote, fixed how they did Mandalorian in the season two. And they were like, hey, that was great well, work. Come on no, board, right? I'm not even talking about the CGI. I'm talking about the, the actor themselves that acted out uh, the scenes for oh, okay. Camel. I see. It's completely different. Like, they, they don't even have to use the same person over and over again. It's just like, hey, you, you want to come be in a motion capture suit and be Luke Skywalker now? Yes. Dude, I'd do it. I'll do it. I'd do it. <laughs> <laughs> so we get uh, Luke and Grogu go into the bamboo forest, and they have a talk. Luke says, hey, we need a break. Um, because, you know, Grogu gets distracted. And Luke, this is where Luke, like, raises all the frogs up. And is like, basically, this is what you could do if you focused, you know. He's kind of portraying that to little baby Grogu. Like, there's more that you could do with the Force. Anyways, they take a break, go take a walk through the forest. And Luke tells Grogu about Yoda. And he says, like, he used to talk in riddles, and he used to do that, and he did this. Do you remember anybody like that from your home? Basically trying to pry into Grogu's memories. Like, do you remember Master Yoda? Like, Grogu should know Master Yoda, right? He was at the Jedi Academy. He was he was there. And Yoda trained all the younglings. So at some point, Grogu should have been trained by Master Yoda. Does Luke know that? Or is he just trying to get a sense of, of Grogu knows where his home is? Like, his people. That's true. But I think... Because Luke wouldn't know that Grogu was at the temple until he's—I I don't know if he kind of saw into that scene that we get to see, but he wouldn't know Grogu was necessarily from the temple. He might have been just trying to figure out what species Grogu was, like what are his people. Well, I mean, he knows he's Yoda people. I mean, he knows that, obviously. Um, I'm—I want to know: Does he know? Does he know Grogu's backstory? Does well, he must though, because Ahsoka knows, and he knows Ahsoka. He knows Grogu's background. He knows that Grogu is from the Jedi Academy. He knows that he was there. We, that's not, that's not really told. But we it's, the, really make that but it's the way he talks about Yoda. He talks about Yoda and says he talked in riddles. He talked this way. He was this way. Do you remember anybody like that from your home? Do you remember him like that? Do you remember that person? That, that's what it seems like. He could think that all of Yoda's species talks like that because he's only met one of Yoda. Like one of Yoda's species, well, and that was Yoda. And that's true, but I, I, I really it's a little racist. Yeah, but he knows about Grogu. I mean, he has to. He, him, and Ahsoka have had talks about Grogu, and I, I firmly and Grogu believe can't this. speak yet. Yeah, but what does that have to do with anything? Like Ahsoka it's tells my... Luke that Grogu is from the Jedi Academy. I don't think he cares about what what Grogu. When does she like. say that? When does she say that? Hold I don't on, know. Hold on. When does Ahsoka say exactly? We don't know that. We can't say that for sure. Is that Ahsoka in her episode of The Mandalorian season two tells Din Djarin that somebody took Grogu from the Jedi Temple, so she does know he was at the temple. Yeah, I don't doubt that Ahsoka may know. My only, my only thing is. Do we, can we assume that Ahsoka has told Luke basically all that she knows? I think they're all, you three are all disagreeing with me, and I'm basically saying unless there is a line that states Ahsoka tells Luke anything, I don't think we can assume that Ahsoka is totally honest with Luke about everything she knows. I I will tell you this. There is a lot that has gone on between Luke and Ahsoka that we have no idea about. And it's, I mean, they know each other. 
they've had conversations and I know they've had conversations about Grogu because I mean, it's, they don't explicitly say it, but it's, it's just the way they act, the way they talk. Yeah, Even they, the way that Luke talks to Grogu, it's like he's pro- he's like, does it, do you remember anyone like this? Do you remember anyone like this from your home? And this is when he offers to unlock his memories for him. Like this is the exact point. So it's like he knows, he knows where Grogu's from, and he knows what's going to happen when he goes into his mind and unlocks it. If he can go into his mind and unlock his memories, is it not safe to assume that he can see those memories? I think yes, that is that is the assumption because we know Kylo Ren can do that, right? Or excuse me, Ben Solo, whatever you want to call him. So yeah, I agree with Same you there. Guy. I just I think there's two different ways of looking at it, and definitively, we can't know which one they're talking about. Okay, so from until, a, until we get that line, I I guess we can say that we cannot, but I am ninety nine percent sure that he knows. My only point is that the Jedi are often coy about what they know, especially to Luke. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And this is this comes into one of my gripes later, and I will get to that. That's at the very end of the episode. Uh, so stay tuned, everybody. If you're listening even now, just stay tuned. But uh, this is where Luke un- unlocks Grogu's memories, and this is, like, such a crappy move on Luke's part. Like, I thought he would, like, unlock some happy memories. But no, let's just go the PTSD route, Order 66. There's a bunch of clone troopers shooting at you. And not only is it just clones, it's the 501st. It's the 501st, man. Like, the best clones out there. So this is Luke's first student. So we can't be sure that he's mastered the, the ability, you know, fully. You know what I mean? So this could well, be an accident. That's not, tr- that's not true either. He's not even his first student at this point. He's just helping okay. him along. Well, second. Yeah, they're it's not. the second student, right? Well, this is. He's not a student yet. He's not a student yet, technically. He he. We don't. We I have don't mean, dialogue okay, at the so, end of this sorry. episode. You're that, getting hung up on a word that you don't. I'm not. It's not okay. Ignore the word student. Whatever you want to call it. This is the first, the second person that he has trained. Or okay. Grant brought up that he might something. have taught Leia first. Right. He yeah, did. So, he did. Yeah. He did teach Leia yeah. first. That is. So he's not like. He, there's a chance. I'm just saying there is a chance that he hasn't mastered the ability fully, and so that could lead to him not being able to choose memories. You know what I That's mean? True. And we don't even know if he can. That's true. Right. We don't know. We don't know if he saw the thing we saw. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I can agree with that. He may not have. That's that's a strong possibility. I feel bad for little baby Grogu Yoda. Uh, he he has to experience that all again. Out of all the memories, he, I'm sure he had some great memories, but they they go right to the bad. Well, I mean, I, I think if Luke can target him, he targets that memory specifically because he knows somebody has a save Grogu from the temple during that purge. So maybe he's thinking, well, maybe a Jedi, another Jedi survived that can help me, you know, rebuild or someone I can learn from. So maybe that's why he, he's targeting that. Well, either that or he just he just toddled out of there. I mean, I think it's heavily yeah. implied somebody saves him at the last second because it yeah. looks like those troopers are about to open fire. That is true. That is true. They are. They are, are ready to see Mace come through the window. Oh, oh there's a there's a theory. I like that one. Mace Mace comes back. Dude, that that could happen. I mean, there there would be time for him to get to the temple after flying out that window. And they can definitely yeah. CGI a younger uh Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, they definitely could. Like he doesn't hey. he doesn't look that bad now. I mean he, he doesn't look that bad. Nah, he he could do it himself. What are you talking about CGI? Well, Junk, I mean, he's just been thrown out a window and shocked to de- almost to death. With he's missing an like I think 
I think uh, Samuel L. Jackson now, like, they just rough him up a little bit, and he will look like he's been thrown out a window from, like, 30 stories up. I mean, I... Well, I mean, we got to remember, Tamora Morrison did say earlier uh, this year that no one's expecting who's coming in Episode 7, so uh, well, then, Mace Windu next probably, episode, Samuel L. Jackson. That's probably not Mace Windu, because that's what I'm expecting. Well, I mean, he just said no one's expecting it. At that time, we weren't expecting it, because we weren't expecting Grogu to be in this, and here we are. Yeah, that's true, too. Let me say one more thing about that scene that I found interesting, is that the three Jedi... The ones on the flanks, the one on the left and the right, have their hoods up, so we don't know too much about them. But the middle one looks an awful lot like Master Syndralic from the old uh, game Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. on yeah. the PlayStation 2. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the, the old So guy. I wonder if they're, are they going to bring him That's back? That's a continuity error. <laughs> yeah, it is, because he's, he's supposed to get killed by Anakin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll say, An- Anakin goes through and slays those three, because they also have the same lightsaber combination as those three from they that uh, game. That was a they great do. game. I, I know this is off topic. That was a good game. Yeah, we've talked about that in our video game uh, podcast episode, so shameless plug, go back and uh, check that one out. But yeah, shameless plug, go check that out. Moving forward, this is where Ahsoka appears to Din Djarin. And she says she's an old friend of the family. You know, he asks what she's doing there and all that. And it's it's kind of like, well, you said you weren't going to train the kid, right? Like, you said you were going to have no part of this. And she's like, yeah, I, I said that. And I, I'm standing by that. I'm not training him. Master Luke is. And I think it's I think it's pretty cool that she calls him Master Luke. Hit right in the feels with this. You know, all our, a friend of the family hit me hard. I was like, oh. Yeah, she knows our two clearly. Him. They have a relationship. Yeah, I mean, she comes up and she really... she gives that caressing touch to R two. Just like you know, obviously, they know They're each old other. Friends. They are, and it's it's a touching scene. And I don't think a lot of people m- would put that together. But the first time I watched it, I kind of you know she she does she interacts with R two, and it's just like I'm I'm so engrossed in all the other stuff that's happened already and all the stuff I'm expecting that I didn't take the time to appreciate that relationship between them. But on my second viewing, I was like, yeah, they're, they're old friends. Like you can clearly see that. And it's, it's beautiful. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. This, this is what I want to talk about real quick. When did Luke and Ahsoka meet? I I really want to know when this meeting took place. Did she train Luke to some point? Did she show him some stuff in the force? Like I'm, I want to know this backstory so bad now. So I'm my assumption, on it. since we're, we're making wild assumptions about what they've spoken about, we know that Luke knows about Darth Sidious, which is not a, not a name he would have known. He would have known the Emperor, right? Right. So we know from the, pre, or the sequel trilogy when he is in, uh, what's the middle one called? The Last Jedi, right? He's talking to Rey, and he's like, Darth Sidious was able to destroy the Jedi at their height or whatever. Yeah. My assumption is that she has filled Luke in a little bit about what, what he might not know about the prequel trilogy, you know? Well, that's possible. And who's to say that Yoda didn't tell him that when they were on Dagobah training? I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that you're wrong, but I'm just saying that who knows where he got that information and maybe he just called him the Emperor because, for one, nobody knew he was Darth Sidious then except for George Lucas, and he probably really didn't know that either. I'm just going to be candid about that. Um... Do you do you think maybe they could expand on this because of what they're already doing with the CGI with Luke? Do you think the Luke won't ever get his own series? He'll just be like, is the Ahsoka series still going? Yeah, right? yeah, 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 that's yeah. coming up, right? You think he'll be in that? I'm thinking. I think so. 
I don't know, but cameo for sure. I think at some point we need to see this meeting, like the first meeting of Ahsoka and Luke, because how how emotional would that be? She is meeting the son of her former master, who she believes turned to the dark side forever. She finds out upon meeting Luke that Darth Vader was reconciled and becomes Anakin Skywalker once again. Like, I mean, that has to be that has to be such an emotional and beautiful meeting. Like, that has to be cool. Like, I, I have to see that. They have to do that at some point. If not, I'm going to be very angry. Yeah, I would say it's probably going to be touched on in the Ahsoka series, is my guess. And part of me wants to think that either Luke or Ahsoka themselves uh, gets told by Force Ghost Anakin, Obi-Wan, and um, Yoda, or at least one of them at some point, saying, hey, by the way, there's this person you should go meet. Mm. Yeah. Meet the person, Luke. Does Yoda and Obi-Wan know Ahsoka has survived? That's an excellent question. I mean, nobody really knows. Find out, May 2022. Obi-Wan Kenobi series. <laughs> uh, who knows? I mean, they could feel her in the force, I'm sure. I mean, they know what to search for well, to a certain degree. We honestly all uh, know the we know. all we all know that the problem is that Ahsoka was not a character until the Clone Wars started, which was years, I mean decades after the original trilogy. So trying to mesh those two together might get a little messy. And I think John Favreau Dave Filoni are doing a great job of meshing all of these eras together, even though in the original trilogy, nobody knew about Clone Wars, Rebels, all this extraneous media that we're getting with Star Wars. Nobody knew about that. And they're connecting it all very, very well. So, I mean, the simple answer is she didn't exist back then. Period. So, I mean, same thing goes for Grogu, too. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, same thing goes for Grogu and, and all these characters that we've gotten to know over the past, what, maybe decade, decade and a half that have cropped up. Uh, and I I think they're doing a great job of filling it in, and I think we're going to get some solid answers. Just not now. There's so much happening in this episode that we can't get everything now, even if we want it. So I, I do want to hone in on this, this conversation between Man, the Mandalorian, Din Djarin, and Ahsoka. They're talking about how um, it wouldn't be good for Grogu if if Din went and saw him, or do, are you doing this for him? Or are you doing it for you? And the Mandalorian's like, look, I just need to know he's safe. I just need to know what's going on. It's great. Um, Ahsoka says there is no place safer in the galaxy than this planet with Luke. And I really just want to yell at the TV. No, that's not necessarily true. Because <laughs> some bad stuff's about to go down in a couple of years. It makes me wonder if Ahsoka, much like the rest of the galaxy, is under the belief that Luke, all by himself, was able to defeat Darth Vader and the Emperor. Maybe, but I still think Ahsoka and Luke would have. Like, that have they had that? Have they had that conversation yet? That's I my would, question. They seem so familiar with each other. They, they're in casual conversation. You do not have casual conversation with people that you don't know that well. I don't because I would think I would think out of the two of them that Ahsoka Tano would probably be stronger in just pure force ability and, and well, she's training. Well, been, she's been training for so much longer than Luke. I agree with that. I think right now... So why would the safest place in the galaxy not be with her, is what I'm trying to say. Well, she's on the planet right now, isn't she? I mean, I'm... Right, but she's saying that the safest place is with Luke, so I think she's under the impression that Luke is stronger than her, so maybe he is. He, well, 
Either that or he is so secluded that no one could find them there. That's my assumption. That's another thing, or also because he's making a school. He's creating a school to teach things, and like, cr different creatures of the Force. You know what I mean? So maybe she's just saying in general, like, he belongs with you. This is your way of becoming more of a master because you're going to teach like that's just his path yeah you know what i mean but she does refer to him as master luke so to diedrich's point i mean it she has a huge amount of respect for luke and that shows in her conversations with him in this episode so may, she may believe that luke is stronger maybe she believes he has a stronger will or a stronger aptitude maybe she's not physically stronger or excuse me maybe luke's not physically stronger but his mentality is stronger because at this point, she's she's not a Jedi, and I don't think she claims to be. Right, Ahsoka, we don't know. We we really don't know what Ahsoka claims to be at this point. But I don't believe it's a Jedi. Well, um, just putting it into perspective, in Rebels, we see her try to you know say, hey, you know, when she's fighting Vader at the top of the Sith Temple, she's like, you know, trying her best to try and turn him away from the dark side a little bit, and she failed. And where she failed, Luke succeeds. That's true. And so maybe she was like, hey, you know, his knowledge, his ability in the Force is, you know, he has higher potential, I guess you could say. And that's why she thinks that this is the best place. He was able to turn Anakin when I wasn't able to. And, you know, he, he can help Grogu grow. And, and obviously Grogu has some darkness in him, some hatred or something, you know, from that time and kid. all the things he's, he's been through. He's a freaking kid. Like, what kid doesn't have all this kind of emotion in them? Yeah, but she thinks that Luke is the best person to help him control right. that. And because honestly, Grogu's probably the biggest danger to himself at this point. Yeah, that's true, too. So we can age him now, sort of, at least, right? Well, he's 50. Not like fully. He's, he's about 50. Yeah, he's around 50. I mean, that's what is said in The Mandalorian Season 1, that he is around 50 years old. Yeah. And and that track... So he, him and Anakin were, like, born around the same time, which is pretty pretty crazy. Um, so we have this conversation between Din Djarin and Ahsoka, and it really shows the... Um, I, can't, I think this, the theme of this episode is choices. Like, the Mandalorian has to choose. Do I do this for myself? I can go see Grogu and make it hard on him, or I can just go back to Tatooine, leave this present for him, and just go on my way. Ahsoka, Ahsoka really kind of brings that home. Like, we all make choices. And that's something that's going to keep going through this episode. And Din decides to leave. He decides not to see baby Grogu. He leaves the present with um with Ahsoka and she presumably delivers that to Luke at some point. This is the fun part of the episode, though. This is uh well actually before I get to that, I do want to say that one line she does say and that Din says, Din Jaren says, well he needs to have this present because he is a Mandalorian foundling. And Ahsoka says, well perhaps now he's a Padawan. So already, already we're getting that kind of distinction. Like, is he a is he a Mandalorian family? Is he a Padawan? Can he be both? Can he not? I feel like they're working toward him being both because it's going to reflect Tar Vizsla from back in Forever Ago, who made the dark because he was also yeah. a Mandalorian and a Jedi. So I think Grogu is going to be the next iteration of that dualism 
in a so, character. So I like I like where you're going. I like where you're going. Can we save this? Can we save this? Because I have a lot to say about this. But I don't want to talk about it yet, if that's okay. One yeah. One question I have relating to Din and Ahsoka though is I wonder if she realizes he has the Darksaber, because we know Ahsoka is familiar with that. Yeah. I'd- that's something I wish they would have played on in this episode. That was one thing that was like missing. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm going to have to change my answer more in line for the teacher because they didn't touch on that at all. That is true. And that would have been absolutely huge. Because she does understand the significance of the Darksaber. She understands all of that. She's been, she's steeped in Mandalorian um, customs, history. I mean, she spent time with Bo-Katan. She, she went and fought Darth Vader on Mandalore. Like she knows all of this stuff. So I do wish they played on that a little bit, but did they have time? I mean, there was so much packed in this episode. They didn't have time for that. I feel like they I feel like they should have taken out something else we'll get to, and they could have added another little bit. I agree. I, there's, there's some stuff I think they could have taken out for the sake of the Book of Boba Fett, but still, I enjoyed seeing it. So we get to the training montage. We get to um, Luke teaching Yoda, or excuse me, Yoda, baby Yoda, Grogu, um, Luke teaching Baby Yoda Grogu how to jump, uh, Jedi jump with the Force. We get <laughs> we get the back we get the backpack run. Oh my gosh, that was nostalgia, baby! Like Baby Yoda's on Luke's back. Luke is always the workhorse for these little Yoda creatures, and he's running through the through the bamboo forest with little Baby Yoda on his back. It was it was beautiful. Beautiful time. Did y'all notice the scene? I think before this happens, they're walking together, and every so often Luke will get ahead and he'll use the force to bring Yoda yeah. back up yeah. the pace with him. I thought that was that was hilarious. I love that little. It's touch. wholesome. It's so wholesome. It was great. Also, uh, that that little baby Yoda's got some little legs. Grogu's little jump at the beginning was so hilarious. I couldn't help but laugh. I thought it was awesome. When I think of Grogu, like. He doesn't move all that much. You know, like he he toddles a little we, bit and he kind of does it. But but jumping just seems out of like it, it was it was cool to see him jump cuz like he doesn't move a lot, right? It makes me excited because it makes me feel like eventually we're going to see a Grogu who's running around, hopping around, using the Force, doing flips like Yoda. Well, we, so we're going to see like a young Yoda, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I agree with that. Like, it really gets to that point later in the episode. But on the backpack run, we get to the end of it. Uh, Luke climbs this little bamboo shoot with Grogu on his back. And he says, the world exists in balance. The world exists in balance. That is his direct quote, and I'm not going to get into it now. I'm going to get into it get into it at the end of the episode where where it belongs. But I do want to pose this question before we get there: is Is Luke really teaching balance to to, to little baby Grogu? Is he really teaching that? And and let's not answer it now. Let's put it in your minds for later. But is he teaching Grogu to be balanced? That is my question. But we'll keep going. We'll keep going. I'm going to get back to that. I'm getting back to that. So we get to see the training remote. Um, the training remote comes out, and instead of having a little lightsaber to block the blaster bolts, um, Grogu just has to dodge them. Like <laughs> At least Obi-Wan... The Dragon Ball Z reference? Yeah. Well, maybe not a direct... Like They might not have been thinking of that. Dragon Ball Z a bridge but, yeah. is what I think <laughs> yeah. of. But at least Obi-Wan gave Luke a lightsaber to kind of combat these little blaster bolts. Nah, dude. 
No, dude, Yoda. He just he just here's here's a little thing. It's gonna shoot at you. Try to move. For a little baby that could barely walk in the previous scene. Now, like, oh yeah, this is this is a shot at. Now. He couldn't. He, he couldn't even jump. He couldn't even jump. <laughs> this is the new Jedi. They don't have lightsabers for everybody. You gotta share. Okay, that's right. <laughs> yeah, the new Jedi Order, and I wish it really was a new Jedi Order, but we'll get to that later. Um, the the training montage is great. Like we literally see. Uh, Grogu go from not being able to jump to b- dodging all the blaster bolts like he's skipping on rocks like this is where we get to see a really animated Grogu he's jumping around a little bit like he's using the force and it's cool to see and we have never seen Grogu move like this we've never seen this character do these kind of feats it's the first time they use a CGI Grogu and not just the puppet Grogu. Yes, that's right. And that is just so he can move. I mean, and that it really brings back memories of CGI Yoda from uh, the original Attack of the Clones release, right? Where we see him flipping around, beating up Count, or not really beating up, but fighting Count Dooku. Fun times, right? And this is this is kind of the way they go with little baby Grogu here, but he is definitely more clean looking because it's 2022, not 2003. So, um, Grogu is learning, right? He's learning more about the Force, or as Luke says, remembering. He's he's not even saying that he's taught him anything. He's just remembering his training. And this kind of brings back some memories of Fallen Order with Cal Kestis, right? Cal Kestis had this thing where he closed himself off to the Force, and then as he goes through his journey, remembers, I can do this in the Force, and this is what my master taught me in the Force. So it's a good callback to that video game and some of the themes in that. Um, maybe hinting at a Cal Kestis uh, cameo at some point. I'd love to see that. But eventually Grogu blows up the, the training remote, right? He just he gets tired of it. He's skipping across the rocks and shooting at him, and he literally just destroys it. And this is when Luke and Ahsoka have their little chat, right? The only chat that we see them have in this episode. And Luke tells her, like, or excuse me, Ahsoka says first that you've taught him well, and Luke says, I don't know if it's my teaching or if he's just remembering. So we we, we all know that Grogu has had training, and now that Luke has kind of unlocked his memories a little bit, he is coming back into his own as a Jedi Padawan. And this little talk was... It was great to see. Like I, I liked seeing Ahsoka and Luke interact. I wish we would have gotten their first meeting before we got this interaction, but I was still happy with it. Yeah, man, it hit me right in the feels when she was like, "You're just like your father," or something like that, right? Yeah, and I've got a, I've got a little I've got a little thing about that. But um, so my my real question is, when did Luke actually become a master? Right at the end of Return of the Jedi, he has just become a Jedi Knight, right? And I I guess maybe the Force ghosts kind of saw his progression and knighted and made him a master. I don't know how that progression worked. Well, is it is it master as in like the formal term or is it is she really saying he's a Jedi master or is it more like you would call a padawan would call anybody regardless of if they're a knight or a Jedi master on the council master. Yeah, you but I'm saying? when Ahsoka said that to Din Djarin, she's not saying that from the Grogu point of view. She is saying Master Luke will teach him. I call him Master Luke. That's what I get from that, at least. 
I almost want to say it's like a default. Like, yeah, you're the last one, bro. It better be you. you, you, you you're the master by default. You're the only one left because Ahsoka's not claiming to be a Jedi. Excluding Cal Kestis, who may be dead or alive, or Ezra, who may be dead or alive. We don't know, technically. But when Ahsoka tells him that you are like your father, so much like your father is what she says, is that a hint? Like, I... A hint of what? <laughs> so when we see Luke... In The Last Jedi, he's he's pretty downtrodden. He's He's been through the ringer, right? I almost wonder, with all of this Legends talk, if they're going to bring in the story arc from the EU where Luke temporarily turns to the dark side. Like, I'm not, say, I'm not saying they're going to do that, but that happened in the extended universe. That happened. And I'm not so sure that it might not happen in this universe. Yeah, that did that did happen when the Clone of the Emperor rose up. The Dark so. Empire series. Right. It was a yeah. great series. It was expanded universe, not not canon anymore. So you're saying Mara Jade's coming. I'm I'm not saying that. I mean I'm I'm not saying that, but there there's definitely themes from legends that are being put in this new canon. And just the way she said it. You're so much like your father. I don't. I don't know, man. The the, con- the context of that comment was she was talking about his good qualities, like the good trick. Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, Anakin, not yeah, not Darth Vader. Yeah, Anakin Skywalker. And what did Anakin Skywalker do? He became Darth Vader by choice. He was Darth Vader when he did all the bad things because he because Sidious was like, "Rise, you are now Lord Vader." That's that is true, but Anakin had to let Vader take over, and this is something that sometimes we all miss. We talk about Darth Vader and Anakin as they're separate people, but honestly, Anakin had to take himself and remove himself from the equation to become Darth Vader. Like he 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 made that conscious decision to save Padme, which obviously did not work. And he kept with it. So, you know, you can give me like Darth Vader murdered Anakin in his personality, soul, blah, 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 blah. But Anakin removed himself to become Darth Vader. Yeah, from a certain point of view. But what really happened? There's only one truth, man. We can all speak our own truth, but there's only really one real truth. And Anakin removed himself to become Darth Vader. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just, I just. I don't know. When I, when I heard her say that, it had like a really eerie tone. Like it was kind of like a weird, like half a second silence after that was just eerie to me. I don't think it was meant like that. I think it was Ahsoka just mentioning, hey, you're a good teacher like your dad was to me type of deal. And then he turned to Dark Side, killed all the younglings and killed a lot of people. And then it was Darth Vader. Well, um, well you notice he started going downhill once Ahsoka left. So I'm that's saying. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it gets, it, he, he just really like starts. But even in this conversation, he's, He's questioning whether he should keep training Grogu. Like, even in this conversation, he's like, what do I do with Grogu? He asks Ahsoka that, what do I do? And she basically tells him to follow his instincts. While we're talking about the future of Luke, did y'all catch the line while he's training Grogu and Grogu is using the combat droid? He says to Grogu, always get back up. And that's so different than what we see Luke as in The Last Jedi. Yeah, that line stuck out to me too. Yeah. I think I think that was I think that was them kind of poking fun. I think that was a Favreau, <laughs> Filoni little moment where they're poking fun at the sequel trilogy because they're like, no, this is what Luke's would say. This is how Luke is. He says never get or never stay down, always get back up. I agree, and that's one of my biggest that's one of my biggest gripes with the sequel trilogy is how they portrayed Luke 
in The Last Jedi. And I, I can understand certain points of it. And I don't know. There are themes that I like. I just don't like the extremes they took it to. And I, I think a lot of Star Wars fans, if they really think about it, they're just all about hating the sequels. I do like to take the good parts and and kind of bring them out when they're there. And I like the characterization of Luke as being downtrodden sometimes or getting in a mood or, you know, it happens to everybody. But just his whole personality to be like that is is totally just wrong to me, at least. But I think you're right. They're poking fun at that. And this is such a more hopeful Luke. I love this Luke. Man, he is so hopeful. Like, I'm going to be a Jedi. I'm, I'm a Jedi master. I'm going to teach all these kids to be Jedi. And I'm going to I'm gonna bring the Jedi Order back. We're going to restore peace to the galaxy for a long, long time. It, it's, it's a hopeful time. Does anyone else sense, like, a little bit of passive aggressiveness between the <laughs> Mando and Luke? Like, both trying to be the dads of Grogu? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a little bit. It's like it's like Mando was his real dad, and then like someone, someone, you know, Ahsoka came in and and whisked him to Luke, and like that's your new dad, you know, that's that's the stepdad. My question is, why can't they just get like uh you know joint custody kind of thing, like spend weekends with Mando, spend your weeks <laughs> at school with Luke? It's kind because of, thing. Like, of that the would be the best scenario. It's because of the attachment. So this is the part in the episode where uh, Baby Grogu looks off in the distance and sees Mando's new starship heading out of orbit. Does he know it's Mando? I don't know. It's, it's kind of sad. He's longing for his dad. Well, he reaches out towards the ship, and it makes me think that uh, there's a, a force connection between the two. Well, he can feel him in the force. I mean, I think that's apparent. Like, we know that he can at least do that. Yeah, but I'm thinking there's more to Din Djarin being Force-sensitive, and we've talked about this previously, but I think that's going to be a lot of what Season 3 plays on of the Mando, rather than um, bounty hunting or anything like that, because, I mean, how's he going to carry a bounty anywhere now? I, mean, I, I agree with that, but, I mean, he's got all that storage in the bottom of the ship. He could just bring them in cold, you know? I don't, I don't necessarily think Mando is Force-sensitive in... <sighs> I don't. I think that'd be too much. I really do. I, I don't. I don't want that to happen. I like Mando being cool for the sake of him being cool. Like he's not cool because he's force sensitive. Everyone is force sensitive, dude. To a degree, the force flows through everything, and I think to some degree, everyone has the force. You know, to a to a degree. But that is. Haven't a, we done this podcast already? Like twice. Yeah. Yeah. This is nature of the force. This is a podcast, or this is an episode that Part we did. Part three. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> earlier in our run. So go check that out. We may even revisit the topic at some point. So Din Djarin has left the uh, the Luke Jedi Temple planet, whatever it may be called, and he heads straight back to Tatooine, gets into Boba Fett's palace, gets out of the ship. The Gamorrean guard's pretty skeptical. He's like, hey, Fennec Shan invited me, and the Gamorrean guard is just like, okay, that checks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no credentials. Like you really. Yeah. Cool. Name drop. He didn't even just he, name drop. Yeah, he didn't even ask for ID. But I mean, he's a Gamorrean. What can we expect? And this is my favorite part of the episode, man. Boba Fett makes a cameo. I I really didn't expect to see Boba Fett this episode. Um, but we see him. He does not speak. He says not one word. Fennec Shan does all the talking. I think that's one of that's one of my very few gripes. Everything Fennec does could have been done by Boba. Yeah. 
So a big a big critique of this series that I've seen from a lot of fans is like Boba Fett shouldn't speak so much. When he was in the Empire Strikes Back and in the original trilogy, he only said like two or three things ever. It's like, well, this is the book of Boba Fett. If he doesn't talk, it's just going to be stills of him looking stoically through his helmet at stuff. And that would be stupid. Um, he needs to talk. It's his, it's his story. Like, it's the book of Boba Fett. It is Boba Fett's story. Even though the last two episodes are, have not been specifically his point of view of the story, it is still his story. I wish he would have been the one heading this meeting up saying, hey... The, the Pike Syndicate's coming in. They are moving in on our territory. The other crime families don't care. Like, they're laying low, and we're going to deal with this. But no, Fennec Shan does all the talking. And I think if if Boba Fett had done more of the talking, like it, it would have seemed like he's trying to rally his troops, that he really respects those people. Because by him not saying anything, it, it seems to me that he didn't respect anybody. That he's above even talking to the peons that are there at his meeting. Right, he should have shown his leadership in that moment. Exactly. And that would have been that would have been at least a I don't think it would have rectified all of this different stuff happening in the book of Boba Fett, but it would have been a start. It would have been like, well, at least Boba Fett's taking charge of his war against the Pike Syndicate. But Fennec Shan does all the talking. This is this is what's happening. The Pikes are moving in. There's there's gonna be a conflict. Let's hope it doesn't become all out war. But if it does, we need foot soldiers. And that's when the Mandalorian comes in. She introduces him. Hey, this is Din Djarin, the Mandalorian. Everyone's like, okay. And then he's like, well, I can get foot soldiers. And at this point in the episode, I really thought that he was going to be recruiting some Mandalorians. I thought he was going to be talking to Bo-Katan and all them. And like, hey, get all the Mandos you can. I got the Darksaber. We're going to like come over here and help Boba Fett. But no, that is not what happened. He gets in his ship and he goes across planet to Mos Pelgo slash Freetown. And on his way there, we see the Jawas. Oh, this is one of my favorite parts of the episode. We see the Jawa cruiser, like just the sand crawler, just crawling across the desert with the crate dragon head on it, the, the skull. That was awesome. Yeah, that's how we knew that he was going to Mos Pelgo slash Freetown. Right. And, of course, the beginning of the episode where we see Cobb Vance. I think that was a big hint, too. But I like how they they're on the sh- they're on top of the sand crawler and they're pointing at the ship like we helped build that that was us that's our that's our work. Oh, you know what i I didn't notice that. So, man, are these supposedly the same Jawas See, that were working with? Uh, what was what's her name? The the lady who owns the shop. That is um, uh, Mato. the Jawa lover. So it's kind of like. It's implied that those are the same Jawas. I don't, I don't know, but they definitely pointed his ship and is like, I went over there, you know, like they're 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 happy to see him. I know Java speak is all Java ease is a very happy language anyway, but um, they they they're they're actually pointing at his ship and like it looked like they, there's like a camaraderie there to me. Begs the question: of How many Jawas are actually on Tatooine? Is it just one group we've seen the entire time, or is it? Multiple. I'd like to know at this point. We know they're furry. How many of them are there? How many furry little creatures? Are I mean, they're, they got to be everywhere there. Everybody knows the Jawas. I was going to say that everybody knows them. Be a good number. Yeah, because they're they're all across the planet. Because everybody in most Eisley knows everywhere. them. Most Espa knows. Them. Like everybody knows the Jawas. So they got to be across. Well, the whole we planet. know that uh, 
well, we know those Jawas went over to Mos Pelgo and also Mos Eisley and everything, so who? Wh- why can't they just be across the planet? Apparently they travel fast. One group and one sand crawler is doing all <laughs> of the stuff that they do. <laughs> They're very busy. They don't get very many holidays. <laughs> that sa- sand crawler is basically always moving. I'm telling you, dude, they, do not get, they don't get life day off. I tell you that. They don't get life day. The insurance probably isn't great. You got to work weekends. You, you know it's hard out here for a Jawa. <laughs> you got to hustle. You got to hustle. Um, so Din Djarin makes his way to Mos Pelgo slash Freetown and wants to talk to Cobb Vanth. He gets out of his ship. He parks right beside the town. And the new deputy of Freetown is not very happy with this. He's kind of a jerk. He's like, well, why don't you park that thing somewhere else? He's like most like state troopers that I know or have met in the course of being pulled over on the interstate. And, uh, Dude, he's just kind of a jerk. <laughs> he reminded me of like a mall cop trying to act like an actual cop, like yeah. he had actual authority. <laughs> Paul Blart, Freetown cop. And that's why uh, <laughs> Din is like, yeah, I heard you. Yeah, he says so. <laughs> like, for a second there, I thought Din was going to kill this guy. <laughs> that was a great scene, man. Like, he gets out and he's like, hey, man, you need to park your ship somewhere like over there. And then John's like, I need to see the marginal. He's like, well, didn't you hear me? He's like, I heard you. I heard what you said. I don't even care. Like, look at me. Look at me. I could kill you right now. And you're, don't talk to me like that. But the deputy's kind of a jerk, man. I don't, I don't like him. I don't like him. Well, what this, I think what this scene is setting up, though, because when the marshal does come out, he makes a reference to the deputy being jumpy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a setup for... What happens next? Yeah. Or later. Yeah, he says he says he's new. He's he's a little jumpy. The marshal did not hit M- Mando with uh think it through line. I think I think the marshal understands that Mando I mean he, he he could take he could exert a little bit of his will and destroy his entire town and not even think twice about it. Can we please get that as a soundbite? Think it through, and then whenever somebody's about to give their opinion, we play that. <laughs> Only if it. you listen to it, Dietrich. We'll do that for you. Fine. <laughs> Fine. I'll listen to the one you put it on. How about you that? Can't, we'll put it on every one of them. You can't suggest things. <laughs> oh, man. That's the catch. <laughs> Wesley, Wesley, I forgot that line was so awesome. Yeah. It is, it is an it awesome line, and I did too. Um, honestly, I'm. that's one of your little nuggets of inspiration that we've been talking about. Yeah, think it through. I'm glad he didn't use it with Mando right then, because there really wasn't anything for Mando to think through at that point. But um, I mean, Mando could get shot like a hundred times, and that little blaster pistol ain't, ain't doing it nothing. Ain't doing nothing to him. And that's why Cobb Vanth is so sad that he lost his armor. Like even a few moments later, they're talking about. He says, "Where's the little guy at?" He's like, "Well, he's with his own folk now." And I, I think it was funny that Mando said his own folk. I don't know. I just thought it was funny, and um. He says, well, it looks like we both lost something that we cared about. And and that's sad. <laughs> so Mando's like, well, can I buy you a drink? <laughs> like, we're all sad now. Let's go drink some alcohol. They go to the bar and they get a drink and they're talking about the uh the Boba Fett situation, the Pike Syndicate. And we're well aware that Cobb Vanth knows wh- who the Pikes are. He knows that they're trying to run spice. Like he he knows that they're a problem and that they're trying to spread. And Mando basically says, "Hey, look, we need soldiers. 
I'm calling in a favor. It's not easy to ask for one. Don't know how to do it, but could you help us? And the bartender guy, he's like, look, no, nah, that's not our problem. We we don't want any part of it. Um, that's a city folk thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty much, he's an old Western, he's an old Western character. And, um, at this point, Mando makes the, uh, the assumption that this is still Moss Pelgo. No, sir. It is Freetown. We have changed the name. The bartender is very adamant about that. And I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm glad he knows who he is and his town's identity. Good for them. Um, but well, I got a gripe here. Bring it, Andrew. You've been the gripey one this episode, and it's cool, man. Bring it. Why is it called Freetown? Why wouldn't it be something in whatever language Tatooine cities are named after? I guess because because maybe it's about oppression and they're free. Yeah, like so they fought against. They were freed when the Empire fell, and then they freed themselves from the mining guild. Yeah, I mean, I understand, but why wouldn't it be in, like, you know, how, like, most Espa, most Isley, you know? Like, most Freetown! Something, <laughs> it doesn't even have to, like, Freetown just sounds so... Weird? Uh, it's it's, go- it's goofy, dude. It's goofy. For lack of a better word, cheesy and American. Did any of you guys ever play, like, Toontown Online when you were kids? Like, that was a big <laughs> thing when we were kids, right? That's kind of what it sounds like to me. Like, this is Freetown. Uh, it just seems stupid. Like, they're not from Earth, so why? I don't understand. It just didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, Din, Din Djarin, he's he really doesn't care what the name of the town is. He's just there to ask a favor. And he tells... Um, this, is, this is a great conversation between him and Cobb Vanth. He asked him, like, do you really think that the Pike problem is just going to affect most Espa, most Isley. Do you really think that it's going to stop there? And Cobb Vanth really has to think about it because they're they're already trying to move Spice through his territory. We've already seen it. So, I mean, what's going to stop them? If if they take the big towns, if they take over the rest of the planet, what's going to stop them from taking Freetown? You know, what's going to stop them from coming into that area and running Spice through it and causing a problem for all the locals? Nothing, because they're too powerful at that point. They get the rest of the planet. I mean, who cares? I mean, you can't, you can't fight them. And this is what resonates with the sheriff, the marshal. Like this is what resonates with Cobb Vanth, is that the Pikes will take over these big cities. They'll hit the big players on the planet, and then they'll come for the small towns, the small territories. They'll get there. But Mando leaves. He he says, "Look, just think about it." He says he'll be in touch. I'll see what I can do. Times are hard around here, but I'll see what I can do. Mando takes off. And then the stranger comes from the desert. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. How did he how did he get there? Did he did he literally walk? He's an old western boy who walks 10 miles uphill both ways. Dude, Cad Bane parked yeah, he's- 2 miles from the town just so he could dramatically walk up to it. <laughs> That's like next level Darth Vader drama, how Darth Vader in Rogue One, his cape is flowing even though he's like next to the vacuum of space kind of drama. <laughs> well, you know, he has to use the force to move that cape. Dude, Vader's dramatic. Okay, have you not seen Anakin? I mean, Anakin is a dramatic kid. He, that bleeds over into Darth Vader. Okay. But uh, apparently Cad Bane either didn't get good directions on Space Google or whatever, a uh, space Siri didn't know where Moss. Well, I, 
what it was, it was it was probably that he looked up Moss Pelgo. It doesn't exist anymore. It's now Freetown. So he got some bad directions. That that's my head cannon. Um so he ends up two miles away. <laughs> and and he moseys up to the town. Where Mondo parked his ship earlier, um that remember the deputy was like, No, you can't park there, you gotta park way over there. So <laughs> so uh Cad Bane parked in the right place. I swear <laughs> he respects that. So do you think do you think Cad Bane like pulled up? To the town and parks there, and the deputy's like, "Hey, man, you can't park there." He's like, "Ah, crap!" And he <laughs> gets back in his ship and he pulls off. And he goes like two miles away, and then he walks to the town. <laughs> so it's definitely a robot chicken. They, yeah, that I would be a good. That'd be a good blooper. <laughs> so Cad Bane just saunters up to Freetown. And Cobb Vanth, being the Western Marshal Sheriff guy that he is, sees him in the distance, and he tells all the citizens around, get inside. And they're like, oh, do you think it's a problem? No, no, just get inside, safety first. Everybody goes inside. And anybody who's seen any Western knows what's about to go down. Well, dude, I mean, you even have Cobb Vanth walk out into the middle of the dirt path. And you see, you see, dumb move. Yeah, I mean, you see him walk out. You see, like his profile walk out into the dirt path. You see the silhouette of a menacing character coming to the town. You know, they really do follow the western, the west, the old western uh, formula of the good guy has something to do with the color white. Typically, like his clothing, he usually wears like white vest or something. Cobb Vanth has his white, you know, hair and mustache and beard. And then the bad guy wears something black for some reason. Like, why is that a Western thing? I, I never understood Well, I mean, it, white... But they seem to follow the White pattern. stands for purity, black stands for sin and villainy. I mean, obvious. But anyway, these, these Western vibes go all through the scene. Anything with Cobb Vanth is Western. I mean, he's just... A, he's an allegory for a Western movie. He's, he's Clint Eastwood. I mean, he is. He's Clint Eastwood. And the character that we're going to talk about that saunters up to this town with his hat, he starts talking and he he basically, uh, Cobb Vanth asks who he is and he's like, look, you, you shouldn't be poking your nose around in things that you shouldn't shouldn't be. We see the brim of a hat, a blue blue mouth, some menacing tubes. And... Then he lifts his head, and we see Cad freaking Bane. He's a bounty hunter. And you smart. The kid's got it all figured out. You're in trouble now. Cad freaking Bane! Gosh, I was so jazzed! I saw this and I literally, I was like, oh my God, I said it out loud. Like, I don't do that a lot. I don't exclaim things out loud when I'm watching something by myself. But I was like, oh my God, they did it. And I I kind of expected it, but it was crazy to see him in live action. I was going to say I did expect it, but it was a very welcome thing regardless. You know, it was a surprise, but a welcome one. Set up in my chair, I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Lean forward a little bit, game face but on. To, <laughs> but to introduce him at this juncture, like, 
I, I don't know the 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 Mandalorian and Co- uh, Cobb Vanth talking did not seem to be of much consequence. Yeah, like it was it was a good scene, but it was like okay, you're gonna come fight for us, blah 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 blah. We know the con- we know what's gonna happen. They're gonna come fight for Boba Fett, blah blah blah. It's kind of predictable, but yep. this was not predictable. I did not expect. Cad Bane to come face off with Cobb Vanth in the middle of the streets of Freetown. That was, gosh, I was, oh man, I, I, I can't even, I can't contain myself right now. Dave Filoni pulled it off well, but then my next thought was, oh no, the Marshal about to get it. <laughs> oh no, Cobb Vanth's about to die. Because <laughs> yeah, we all know, dude, Cad Bane is ruthless. This cat kills Jedi. I mean, who can stand up to Cad Bane? So we have this conversation. He tells him that the Pikes are going to take over. Boba Fett's a cold-blooded killer. He worked for the Empire. Just stay out of it. And I thought, I thought that was interesting. That we know Cad Bane doesn't really care who he works for, but he was going to bring. He was going to try to drag Boba Fett's name through the mud by using his association with the Empire. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think even though, even though Cad Bane has also worked for Sidious. Well, I think it's just him playing the role for the money. He's saying, look, don't get into this. Boba Fett's a cold blade killer. He worked for the Empire. He doesn't care about you. So stay out of it. We're going to pay you double what he's going to pay you just to, to sit here and not do anything. And how much time has it been since the Empire? Like Five years. Only five years? Okay. So five years since Return... He's well, going to pay the town? So it's five years since Return of the Jedi. The fall of the Empire happened at the Battle of yeah. Jakku. I guess that is the, the 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 last battle of the Galactic Civil War. So anywhere from, I guess, three to five years is the end of the Empire. We know they refer to the, the Imperial forces out there as Imperial remnants. Right. So we assume that, you know, the war is over, right? Correct. the New Republic is there. We've seen their little cop. We've seen their X-Wing cops on a number of occasions. <laughs> yeah. But did they did they say that did did Cad Bane say he was going to pay the town? I thought he just was like stay out of it and you'll no come no out they as you they, are, said, they say that they're going to pay him. He said whatever they're paying you, okay. I'll pay you double to do nothing. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's right. Okay, he does say that. That is mentioned, and that's when our favorite deputy comes out. He is a jerk. This deputy is a jerk, but he is also stupid. Okay, the. the the marshal tells him to stay inside. Like, I've got this handled, I promise. And he comes out and he says, The sheriff ain't for sale. <laughs> right? Like, you can't buy the sheriff. Whatever he's going to say. Like, dude, he basically told you to stay inside because he doesn't think you can handle this. Hmm. I don't know if you've seen this guy, but he looks like he can kill all of us. So why are you out here? I, I can admire the deputy for having guts. But his wisdom is questionable. And so here, here's my thing. How did, how did Cad Bane know that Cobb Vanth had the Boba Fett armor? Because he mentions, he says, you should have never gotten rid of your armor. And, Good oh, yeah. and, that's, and that's when he tweaks his hand towards his gun in that also classic Western feel. And then Cobb Vanth twitches towards his gun oh gosh I was getting chills and then the deputy late gets he's twitching towards his gun and there's so much tension going on 
And during all this tension, I couldn't help but realize Cad Bane is left-handed. Oh, nice. Me too. Yeah. It's kind of an awkward little fact, but he, he was using his left hand. Dude, the deputy man, he is so jumpy. It's alluded to earlier, like Diedrich said. He is so jumpy that he's about to go for his gun. He goes for his gun, and Cad Bane shoots Cobb Vanth in the shoulder. Then turns and shoots the deputy, like, what, four or five times before he can even get his gun drawn. In the motion from his hand going to his gun, Cad Bane has drawn his gun, shot one guy, and then shot him five other times before he could even get to the trigger. Or even, even get it out of his holster. Yeah. Yeah, the deputy really reminds me of Barney Fife from the Andy Griffith mm. show. Except for Barney Fife was never shot mercilessly in the streets of Mayberry. I think that would be pretty bleak for, uh, for Andy Griffith. Very true, but uh, he also was very jumpy and uh, oftentimes got uh, Andy into some trouble. That's true. Yeah, the deputy did not respect the rule number one in Western standoffs. Yeah, he, he didn't respect that at all. And then, and then he dies. So, like I've said all along, the Book of Boba Fett has like instant gratification, right? We get all of this great stuff and it's paid off in the next episode. Not this. We get a really crappy deputy that nobody likes, and he dies the same episode. So. And that was one of my questions. Did, did the marshal die, or did he get medical attention right oh, there? Oh, no. No. They're talking about stem packs. Let's, he's, he's injured. Everybody rushes to the marshal and says, he's injured. Like, okay. let's get stem packs. Let's do this. Like, he's, he's going to survive. Gotcha. The deputy is dead. He is dead. Yeah, they show that, yeah, they show that he's shot several times. There's no way he's coming back. Nah, dude. I mean, and we can see that. Cad Bane is such a good shot that he could have killed Cobb Vanth. Firmly believe that if he wanted Cobb Vanth dead, he would have killed him. I'm, I have a weird theory. I don't know if I even want to bring it up. But can't be much worse than like Luke's going to turn to the dark side. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not really a bad theory. It's happened in <laughs> EU. So doubling down. I like it. But uh, Cobb Vanth, he shot him in the shoulder and then proceeds to kill the deputy. Well, Cobb Vanth is definitely the more dangerous of the two, right? So why spare his life? Cobb Vanth also seems to be the more level-headed one out of the two. So kill the one that's jumping and will do something dumb and keep the one that's, you know, smarter alive because he thinks, hey, if I sit there and show him how quickly I can take care of this deputy and him at the same time, he's more likely to tell the people, hey, we're saying here we're not getting involved. Yeah. It was it was to prove a point. Okay, okay, I can see that. My weird theory, and I'm not saying that I totally believe this, but what if, what if Cat Bane's really working for Boba Fett? What if he shoots Kyle Vanth in to the shoulder? Scare them. What What if he shoots Kyle Vanth in the shoulder? And is basically like trying to make him be the foot soldier that is for Boba Fett. That is so out of character for what we've seen from Boba Fett now. Ah, that's true too. That would be. I'm not saying. Like I said. Like I said. We seen. Like I said. I'm not saying I really believe it. I'm just saying that he could have killed Cobb Vanth, but he didn't. Why? Why would he bring up the fact that Boba Fett worked for the Empire? Like he he would have just not said that. He would have just gone ahead. Ah, and that's true too. Shooting. That's true too. That's true too. He wouldn't have. He wouldn't have even offered peace. That's true too. I can agree with that. Just these weird thoughts that I have sometimes that I bring up on Dork Wars, the podcast, but definitely the deputy's dead, and I'm happy about that. 
I shot the sheriff. So now we're panning back to Mos Espa. We see two fish dudes, two pikes, come into Garsif Whip's bar, the sanctuary. And they sit down with their little ice cream machine maker thing. What's that thing called? It's got a loot box. It's not loot a loot box. box. They they actually oh. call it something in the in the episode. Yeah, I don't remember. Well, we'll we'll address it next episode. But they go into Garza Whip's bar, the sanctuary, sit down, and the two little Tweelik people who kind of look scary, like they look freaky. Those little Tweelik like servant people look scary, and they're like, "Can we clean your helmets?" And they're like, "No." And they sit there for a moment, and then they get up and leave. Garza's like, what's what's up with them? Like, what's going on? They leave. They leave their little ice cream machine. The droid turns like, hey, you forgot your whatever they called it. And then the whole place blows up. The whole sanctuary, gone. Garza Whip is dead, okay? She, she didn't survive that. That's, that's crazy. They blew up the sanctuary. My... So... My first concern about this scene was, where's Matt Rebo? And then we didn't I was, see him. We didn't see him. <laughs> then I was very relieved. Look, I'm telling you what, he survived, uh, he survived Jabba the Hutt's barge being destroyed. I think he can survive a small pipe bomb in a bar. He was off that night? Yeah. <laughs> it was like his one night off in the well, week. Well, they, they weren't even playing jizz music. There at the bar that night. That was like a fusion kind of thing. Yeah, they weren't even playing jizz that night. So Max Rebo's not in for that. He's a jizz musician. I like the little R2 droid drummer thing. That was pretty cool. Well, he's dead now, so don't expect yeah. to see him again. <laughs> <laughs> the sanctuary bombing. This is the start of the war. Early in the episode, Fennec Chan does not want this to come to war. But war is on their doorstep. This is the beginning. This this is it. Like the Pikes have made their move. And I, I just wonder, do we have enough time in the next episode to really resolve all of this stuff? Like I'm <laughs> We've spent the last two episodes focusing on Mandalorian and Luke Skywalker and Ahsoka. And we we've spent all this time on other characters, like the main story of Boba Fett and the Pikes. Do we have enough time to resolve it? Like it, things have to move very quickly in this next episode. And I don't know if they can do everything justice in the next episode. If this is where it's going to end. So I, what do you guys think? Like, where is this going? I like to see Boba Fett, you know, get a firm back and strike back. Um, we'll see. Agreed. Like I, I just don't know how they they can tie up all the loose ends in forty five minutes. When now they have the Cobb Vanth story going, now they have the Luke and Grogu story going, which we know is probably going to be a theme next episode. I'll, I think most of what we're going to see in the next episode is a series of combats, right? And I think we're going to have some 
you know, Deus Ex Machina where they're they're losing, and then the Mos Pelgo people come in and and kind of offer support and get them back on equal right. footing. And then we're going to see another dip where they're losing. And if, I think what's going to happen is Luke is going to bring Grogu to Tatooine, and and Luke is going to get involved. Well, yeah, I mean that's his home planet too. I think we forget sometimes, like that's where Luke is from. I'm not saying that like he loves the place, but that's his home. So yes, I think that Luke Skywalker is going to fight in this battle. It'd be cool to see. I don't I don't know if we're going to get Han Solo. I think that I don't know. I think I'd be stretching it too much. I just think it'd be too much. I I don't think we're going to bring in Han Solo. That's just I don't, I don't see that. It's happening. too it's too much. It's too much at this point. Like we have so much going on. I think I think Han's too much. I think the only thing that might be brought in is some more bounty hunters working for the pirates. Right. I think that's the only thing that they're going to save for the, the end. Yeah, and I think, I think that would be great. I think Mace Windu might be a little, a little too <laughs> much, too. I'm, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> and if, if Mace shows up, I don't even know how Wesley's going to feel about that. He might feel some kind of way. So, like, maybe we should just leave him out of it. But um, Perhaps it'll be a thing where we see, you know, a bounty hunting group with the pikes fighting... Boba Fett, and then when Luke comes in, he sees that Mando has the dark saber, and that changes kind of how he's seeing Grogu as being one or the other. Ooh, so we're getting to that now. So at the very end of this episode, we get to the finished um, building, I guess, the first building of the Jedi Temple, and Luke and Grogu are sitting there. Luke presents Grogu with the uh, the gift from the Mandalorian, which is the chain mail, the Beskar chain mail that will fit him perfectly. And then Luke brings out Grandmaster Jedi Yoda's lightsaber. Turns it on even, and I mean just wishes it around and offers it to Grogu. And he says, you can pick one or the other. You can have the gift from the Mandalorian, but that will show your attachment to him and you will go back to being with the Mandalorian. Or you can pick the lightsaber and you can be a Jedi. I will teach you to be a great Jedi. And he's giving this child, which we've already established, is a child, this choice. It's more than most children got. <laughs> yeah, I, Dang, you I right. agree. But I mean, is he at a developmental state to make this choice is he mature enough to make this choice for himself like and i know earlier in the episode it, we talk about choices between ahsoka and din Djarin. that is kind of bleeding into this scene like grogu now has to make a choice but can he really make an informed choice when he is so young for his species i think that's part of the point is his he is so young and now he's got this attachment and this attachment is going to affect him as he continues to grow old and luke knows that yeah Obviously, his training has already began. As Luke says, he's remembering um, his stuff. So, um, you know, he's old enough to start training. So he should be old enough to make the decision if he wants to continue or not. I have some gripes. This, these are my gripes. For one, Tar Vizsla was a Mandalorian and a Jedi. Why can't Grogu be a Mandalorian and a Jedi? Does Luke know that history? I don't know. He had what? Well, so I think too. Where, where did he get the great Jedi text from that we see in the Last Jedi? W when did he acquire those? Because I feel like that would be in there. I think there is a comic that gives the answer, but I don't know. Yeah, 
So I, I don't, it just, and then my second gripe here is, it seems like Luke is already falling into the same traps that the original Jedi Order did. Okay? He is already saying attachments are bad. All attachments are bad. Everything is bad if you love it. And this differs a lot. It's weird. It, it differs a lot from the ex- the expanded universe, Luke, which I understand they're not the same universe. I would argue it differs from him from him being presented in the OT. His attachments were what made him special. Yeah. His attachment to his father, his attachment to his sister and his friends. Yeah, I agree with that. So are you telling me that that Luke is now okay? Like, if he had to sacrifice Leia and Han and little Ben Solo and... R- like, if he had to sacrifice all this, would he sacrifice all those people for the greater good? Would he do that? Because... Return of the Jedi Luke would not do that. That is precisely why he gets angry at Darth Vader because he he finds out he has a sister through his thoughts and that's what kind of sets him off and he beats the crap out of Darth Vader at that point. Yes, but he takes a step back from that. Too, uh, uh, at the end and of the I day. agree with that. I agree with that, but it is those connections that make him strong. He would have never become the person he was without those people. Yeah, I mean it's it's his attachment that actually saves the Jedi in a way and saves the guy. And two, like the EU version of Luke Skywalker, I know, and like I said, I know it's not canon, but the Jedi take a whole different route. They can be married. They can they can love one another. They can have attachment and it's not seen as a bad thing. And I like that for the new Jedi Order. Because if you do the same thing the old Jedi Order did, you will fall into the same trap and you will be destroyed. Look at the sequel trilogy. It happens. Why? Why do this? Why make it this way? Like, I don't... I hate that Luke is falling into the all all the same traps that the old Jedi Order did. And, it, and it's, he's already doing it. I, I don't like it. Might be all he knows. Well, but but it's not, though. He's, he's, at, he's had attachment. Who taught him not to have attachments? Maybe he feels like his next evolution is to kind of revert back to that old republic style jet not old republic excuse me um prequel republic style jet but how does he know about that because we've already established that he he may not know tar vizsla's way and we know that ahsoka does not agree with the jedi order she and, and she she really doesn't have attachments per se um she did now she did have an attachment to anakin and to obi-wan She's constantly saying that we got to watch out because Grogu and Din Djarin's attachments to each other is very strong. So she understands this as a fact. Yeah, but she had such an attachment to Anakin Skywalker that it that it caused her. I mean, I think that was part of the reason she couldn't be part of the Jedi Order. They wronged her or whatever. But at the same time, like she she was attached to her master, like very attached. But she is still she's still making the same even to Rex, argument even to Rex. I'm not saying she's right, but I'm saying she's still making the same argument that Luke is making, that these attachments are dangerous. Right. When, well, going back to Luke and, and Grogu, when, when Luke presented that choice to Grogu, I didn't necessarily see it as an attachment issue. I saw it was, like, was Grogu's heart in this? Like, did he even want to be a Jedi, or did he want to go back and just be with the Mandalorians? Like, that's the way I perceived it. Right, and I think that has a, a part to play, but it really comes down to the attachment thing. 
Like that's yeah. Luke makes a big deal. He he uses he that says term, attachment. Like, that proves that you have an attachment to the Mandalorian that you cannot get rid of, and that is forsaking the Jedi way. That is his exact quote. And I I don't which we're saying is odd. It is because odd. Luke's experience is not is is counter to that. Yeah. You know? So I, I really think that this might be where we see like the worst turn for Luke. Like this <laughs> somewhere along the way in this five year span from Return of the Jedi, he has gone from having attachments and doing this and doing that the way that he thinks he should do it to somehow falling into the dogmatic ways of the old Jedi. Or maybe they're showing us a lesson Luke learns for his later students. Maybe his next, maybe because we don't know much about how he sets up his order when, when they get going, when he actually has right. students who are of age. Right. So maybe he learns a lesson here. That's true too. But I do think that this does play into the sequel trilogy. I know we've all talked about Dave Filoni and John Favreau creating an alternate universe, an alternate timeline. But this scene, I I honestly think that Grogu is going to go for the chainmail. I think he's going to be Mandalorian. I think he's going to get into uh, Mando's little ship in his little compartment. They made it just for him. Why would they do that if he wasn't going to be a part, right? So I think... He and Luke says, You could be my first student. So he's basically saying, You're not my student yet. I forgot that line. So he's not trained Leia yet. I don't know. I don't think, I don't think he considered Leia a student. I think he was, I think Leia was in that same vein that Grogu is in now, where he was showing her things in the force, but she wasn't really his student. Because he says she beats him in a lightsaber. Okay, but training. Luke says that his first student was Ben Solo. He says that in the sequel trilogy. Yes, he says that Ben Solo is his first student. Are you sure? I am sure. In the sequel trilogy. In the sequel trilogy. He tra- he started to train Leia, and she decided not to go forward with it. But he's he's been training Grogu. But he Grogu's not a student. He hasn't been training Grogu. He he has. He He was teaching him how to jump. He was meditating with him. He was teaching him. He he was teaching him. He was was meditating with him, but he he remembered how to jump. You're forgetting about a scene that you talked about. But he was teaching him. He said, let the force flow through you when you jump. He said that. That is teaching. I would say we've we've got the same amount of screen time of... Luke training slash trying to bring out the memories of Grogu that we got from Yoda training Luke. Uh, Maybe a little bit more on the Yoda-Luke side, but I mean, about the same amount of substance. I will agree with that. So I guess it just, it it depends on your definition of whether Grogu is technically his Padawan or not, but I mean, was Luke... Luke Luke doesn't consider him a Padawan because he says he's not a student yet. He said, you could be my first student. And so so what you're saying is we know what's going to happen. He's going to choose the Mandalorian. Well, that's the, that's the only logical possibility to get everybody back together for the season right. finale. It's the only way. It's the only thing that exactly. can happen. And then, I hate to say it, Diedrich, but that kind of counteracts the uh, the new timeline theory just a little bit. I'm not saying it 
completely, but it does a little bit because remember the the crux of that um, theory is that Grogu becomes Luke's first student and not Ben Solo, as stated in the sequel trilogy. Okay, but now well, it seems that Grogu will not be his first student. I disagree because we've not seen this entire story play out. I think That's what's going to happen. I think what's going to happen is Grogu make is going to end up being that that half. Mandalorian half Jedi reincarnation of sorts of Tarvisla. And I think Luke will come on board training him once he realizes kind of the extent of the situation. I'd love to see that. He's the chosen one. Well, Grogu's not the chosen one, but he, uh, once the Darksaber is revealed, if we're assuming that Ahsoka. Of the Mandalorian. Yes, the Darksaber that the current Mandalorian has, I think once he. If we can assume that Ahsoka has kind of told him some of the things from the past. I think he might realize the situation is a little different. And my assumption will be we'll kind of get a ping-ponging back and forth from Grogu being with the Mandalorian and then maybe learning a little more in the future. And I, I kind of think eventually Grogu will see him with the Darksaber if he survives long enough. And I would, I would like to see this shift for Luke's Academy. I would like to see Luke make a shift towards maybe attachments aren't so bad. Maybe, maybe the old Jedi weren't completely right. I'm not saying I'm ho- I'm not saying that it's going to happen. I'm not saying that I think it's going to happen, but I would like to see that happen. So Grant, do do you do you remain um 10 out of 10 on your rating? I remain 10 out of 10. To me, this is the best Star Wars since the probably original trilogy. Wesley, do you change your rating? Are you still at 8.5 out of 10? I'm bumping up. I'm going to give this a 9.5 out of 10. I really like what Dave Filoni did and and uh, Cad Bane's just awesome on screen, man. That was just a good scene. So, nine out of five, baby. So, Wesley, I thought because Cad Bane was in this episode, you would give it a 10 out of 10. But you are just as unpredictable as the Book of Boba Fett, apparently. <laughs> it's hard to get my 10s. I don't just give them out, but it was close. So, Andrew, do you change your rating at all for the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 6? Uh, no, I think I'm still going to keep it at an 8 out of 10. I don't think this is the best Star Wars. I think there were some some issues. Um, I guess I can give it an 8.5. I'll go with an 8.5, because I did have a problem with the way that uh, Luke Skywalker kind of talked. It didn't really match up with the animation that they had going on with the face and everything. Um, but I mean, it's really not that important, in my opinion. Especially since right. he's not getting his own series and he's not about to be like the star of a show. So we probably aren't going to see him, but like Diedrich said, some cameos. So I'll go with an 8.5. Very astute observation. I can agree with that. I like your reasoning. Diedrich, do you change your rating from your original for the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 6? No. All right then. <laughs> All right, I guess we have we have heard it up from Diedrich tonight. He has laid it all out there on the line. I'm going to keep my rating as well. I think I said 9 out of 10, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm going to keep it there. I think it was a great episode. Nothing's perfect, but uh, maybe I'll never give it 10 out of 10. Uh, maybe I, I won't ever get there. But 9 out of 10, it was a great episode. Again, it wasn't a great Book of Boba Fett episode. I think it's funny, though. I will bring this up real quick. That uh, in the description for this episode, the uh, the line at the end says, Boba Fett learns new information. 
and I never, I never uh, found out the information that Boba Fett learned because he never expressed any information that he, he never expressed anything that he learned. Actually, he just didn't talk. So, what was the new information? That the sanctuary blew up. Well, he, we don't even know that he knows that yet. We didn't see that. He might not even know. Uh, it's it's crazy. Anyways, I'm just going to keep my rating right where it is. Really, really good. Really, really good episode. Even though it did not center around Boba Fett himself. Let's go on and throw it to Master Yoda for the word of the week. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Hmm. Cad Bane, the word of the week is. <laughs> Well, Master Yoda, I know we've done this before, but that's actually uh, technically two words. Two two names there. <clears throat> Care I do not. Great it was to see him in live action. So, Yoda, you've been in live action before. Um, and animated. How, how, how is that? Um, <clears throat> when animated I am, move more freely I can. More free-spirited I can be. That's very self-aware, and I, I really appreciate you breaking the fourth wall to give us that information. Um, so, you like seeing Cad Bane. Uh, did, I'm sure you really don't like Cad Bane. He was, he was a Jedi killer. Yes, Jedi killer he was. But respect him, I do. Do it for the money he did. As do we all. Well, Master Yoda, we talked a lot about attachment in this episode, and it seems like uh, you're attached to things that you shouldn't be. Well, one with the force I am. Care, no more do I. Money. That's where it is. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, Master Yoda has forsaken the Jedi ways and is in it for the money. Um, you're actually starting to sound like Mel Brooks from Spaceballs. Uh, but anyway, this has been another great episode of Dork Wars the Podcast. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, anywhere that you can stream podcasts. We're probably there. So check us out. Check out the merch store. Check out our link tree. Just check us out. We are Dork Wars Podcast. We are glad you guys are listening. Thanks, and may the Force be with you. Thank you for supporting Dork Wars The Podcast. You can check us out on facebook.com forward slash Dork Wars The Podcast. And if you would like to join in on the discussion or maybe suggest topics for us to discuss, please do so by joining our Discord community or sending us an email at dorkwarspodcast at gmail.com. This has been a... This episode's taken forever. Production.